Hey everybody. Uh, today I sat down with Jimmy Callaway, known as Jimmy the Worm. Uh, he is a published author, uh, a comic, and a pretty cool guy. He uh, wrote a book called Lupo Danish Never Has Nightmares, and I will put that in the details of the upcoming uh, podcast. Uh, he's a really cool guy. He uh, was in the uh, punk rock scene, uh, has edited books, uh, still writes uh, different crime dramas, and he's um, he's a really funny guy. If you get a chance, get out and see him, and uh, you can check him out at Jimmy the Worm. With no further ado, here he is. Probably best to use my name. Use somebody else's name, I get confused. <laughs> All right. Well, we are here with uh, Jimmy Calloway in Mongo's house. How's it going, buddy? It's going good. Mongo, is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's uh, so. When I was, um, I kind of got that nickname uh, from some friends out in Thousand Oaks. Uh, if I would have known, <laughs> I probably would have chose a different have thing to say. My first. No, so I I, I uh, went to go play softball with some guys, and they were like, "Hey, um, why don't you? Uh, we need a, another player." So I show up, and um, they said, "Hey, new guy, you're up." And I grabbed a bat, and I said, "Mongo, go hit ball far." Mm. And <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. How many times have you told that story on this podcast? Um, I think maybe two or three times. <laughs> That's it. That's That's episode eight. Yeah. Everyone's like, Glad "Oh to hear my you. god." Again. Just get to the baseball story already. Uh-huh. Well, now that that's out of the way, yeah, I um, it's uh, it's funny because I've had nicknames um, growing up. Uh, my my first nickname uh, was Bozo, mm-hmm. and uh, I was not a graceful child. Uh-huh. I think um, I used to think I had loving parents until I uh, my dad replaced finally replaced the mailbox that I kept running my bike into when I was mm-hmm. learning how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took away the little, like, galvanized, like, um, mailbox uh, round tubes, like steel tube. Right. And, because uh, right I was just, I was just bending that thing right over. Mm-hmm. He put in a, like a four by four piece of wood. <laughs> that thing did not give. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but I'd be sitting there bleeding on the ground and they'd be like, Bozo, get up. Like, and so, Mm-hmm. I was just, and then I was. It shortened down to Bose over the years. So my parents, they know me as Bose. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like, you know how, how like parents ever like call you your full name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that wasn't it. It was just if I heard Michael, mm-hmm. I was in trouble. Right. So, so yeah, that was. Uh, I think that's all my nicknames that that uh, I care to mention. I'm <laughs> sure I've had X's and and uh, yeah. And and villains I mean, and you if know you're, if you're living your life right, you're never going to hear the most unflattering nicknames that people have for you. They're going to be <laughs> behind your back the whole time, which is how I would prefer it. Yeah, myself, I don't want to know what people call me when I'm not around. Yeah, I'm trying to. I, I can't even remember like the worst thing that's, and that's probably the worst thing to tell to say on on a podcast where um, hopefully people that listen to this will come and see you do stand-up mm-hmm. because I'm sure then I'm, I'm inviting the worst <laughs> possible things. I think they're all just going to call you Mongo. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, uh, it was funny. I was just telling this story. I said, uh, um, I have, um, those same thousand Oaks friends, mm-hmm. you know, um, I love them to death, but you know, some of them are privileged white racists and you sure. know, you, you gotta have a few you know, sure. friends like that. And so, um, one of my buddies, uh, he's, he says the most inappropriate racist things. Mm-hmm. He's married to a Jewish lady, mm-hmm. adopted a little black girl. Mm-hmm. Yet, like, you can't use the N-word because of his daughter. No. Well, then one day... I don't know if that's the only reason, but... Well, yeah, for him, in his world, that's <laughs> it, yeah. Right. Um, so then uh, they were going to do an adoption, and they were going to try and adopt a... a um, I guess a, a Hispanic boy and and one of my buddies is like, all right, Mongo, fucking our buddy's over here going to adopt a little boy. We can't say Beaner anymore. And I'm like, fuck you, bro. Like, how long have I known you? Like, can't, what, what, what do you mean now we can't say Beaner? He's like, he's like, you're the whitest guy I know. And I was like, yeah, shit. Like, <laughs> so. Well, at least uh, the children won't have to Contend with yeah, it. yeah. That that uh, unfortunately the the adoption didn't go through for the for them because it was painful. But I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, maybe we dodged the bullets. <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. So, dude, I saw you over at Claremont. Yeah, and dude, I loved your delivery. Why? Thank your, you. Your stage presence oh, and your stand up is so fucking good, bro. Like <laughs> well, I was, thanks, man. I literally That's... looked over at the Booker and I was like, dude, this guy is legit. Well, thanks, dude. That's great. A convert after one open mic set. Yeah, yeah. Accomplished, dude. It was so good. I was like, and um, I told Andy, I was like, dude, this guy's so fucking good. I can't wait to work with him. Wow, and thanks, so, man. I can't. I hopefully, we get uh, we get hooked up on something soon. Yeah, that would be great. I haven't really, I like. Uh, I've done a couple shows at the Burbank Flappers, but I haven't really gotten in, so to speak. I don't know really what to do next, to be honest with you. Yeah. So yeah, I'd like to. Uh, I like to play that more. Yeah, for sure. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we. Uh, it's it's just a great little room. You know, you get a hundred people. I mean, it sits a hundred, mm-hmm. and so you get uh, you get. I would say uh, thirty-five to forty people in there. Mm-hmm. Dude, it feels packed. Yeah. You get 11. <laughs> it yeah. sucks. because Dude, no. Yeah. I, I, ended up, uh, I ended up having a, a set there one time. There was like 11 people in the room. Mm-hmm. And they were sat That's in all the corners. That's the worst. And it was That's just, so oh my God, it was so horrible. Was that a show show? Um, yes. Oh, that, was a, that was a legit show. Because I've done the mic there a few times and... It's not. I mean, it's for a mic. It's fairly well. I think even that night that I met you, there were some actual like two civilians. There, yeah, yeah. Which we were all. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I like that room. I like smaller rooms. I yeah. feel more comfortable. In. I like. Uh, I like the Ice House's mm-hmm. uh, open mic room that they have. Yeah, that's there. a great open mic. That feels so general. fun in there. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it can be. I've been there when it's been kind of shitty every now and again, but, I mean, every now and again, it's fine. Yeah, I went there one time, um, I think sign-up is like at 6. Something like that, yeah. Dude, I was sitting there, and then, 
I didn't. They didn't call me up till ten fifteen. Yeah, that can be a, with like nine people in the room. Did yeah. you buy anything? Yeah. 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 yeah that's Still. happened to me before too. So I was just. I've like, been trying. Like I never really had given much consideration to when to put your name into the bucket and how much of a difference that makes. Because I'm usually early. Like I usually yeah. get places early. Yeah. Or on time, which is early apparently for Los Angeles, <laughs> and then. Uh, i put my name in, and I'd be the first one in, and then I would be the last one out, like, so often. And I was like, yeah. people were like, oh, you can't, you got to put it in. I'm like, that's bananas. Yeah. But then the more it happened, the more I was like, yeah, there might be something to that. Yeah. You, so. you always bet, you always figure out what the highest bid is uh-huh. and go, 501, Drew. Right. You know the price is right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> you don't want to go for that. You want to go, yeah. Yeah, you, unless you got the first bid. Then you're trying. Then you're trying to get the 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Other than that, mm-hmm. you just got to play the numbers. So, how, how did you get into? How long have you been doing comedy? Uh, a little over four years now. Oh, okay. Yeah. How'd you start? Um, I started in 2013. Well, I was working this. Uh, I was working this office job, and it was the first office job I'd ever had. Really, I'd always worked like retail, and then I worked in a warehouse for a long time. And then I got an office job where I had like a cubicle and a desk and everything and was actually paid a livable wage. It was very weird. That's funny. My girlfriend's actually, that's, you're the second person in a week that I've heard use the term livable wage. Yeah. It's really something. Yeah. You don't know what you're missing out on. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, oh. And then I would tell people how much I was making. They go, that's not very much. I go, are you out of your fucking mind? What are you, a millionaire? Forty-two five a year? Are you kidding me? I was living high on the hog. Oh, that's pretty good. But I also hated it because everything everything I'd ever heard about office jobs was true. Like it was really boring and a lot of fucking backbiting and just the gossip politics and of all, it. You know, all this nonsense. And then uh, so the while I was working there, it was I was living in San Diego and I was in Orange County, so I commuted. And it was like an hour and a half, you know, in the morning. And then coming home, it was always much more. And then I was listening to a lot of podcasts. And I'd always been a super comedy nerd. But listening to all these podcasts and stuff, I was like, I got to try this at some point. Like, I'd always wanted to ever since I was a little kid. But I just... And I had even... I had occasionally, I would get the nerve to write some jokes and, like, try to write an act. But I would never do anything with it. Yeah. I was in a sketch troupe very briefly when I was like 26 or so. Oh, really? Yeah. That Where was last, that? Where was that at? That was in San Diego also. Oh, okay. And that was, uh, yeah, that was like in 2003. And it was only, it was only like seven or eight months, I think, that we did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was fun, but it was like, I didn't want to do something by myself. Like, if I had two other dudes doing comedy with me, I felt safer. Because I was in bands and stuff, so like, I felt... I felt comfortable if there were other people on stage with me, if I wasn't the only one. Yeah. So, um, so then, you know, time marches on as it does. And then, so yeah, I was working this job and I made a promise to myself that I was going to try stand up as soon as I didn't have this, you know, office job anymore. Cause I knew it wasn't going to last forever. Even if I, even if I, uh, I got laid off after only nine months and I probably would have quit not long after that. Anyway. What was the, what was the, what was the, 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 like your daily, like what did you do? I was a social media operative, which means I ran the Facebook pages for a bunch of car dealerships. Shut up. Maybe you can help me. Oh, cause I just found out. Me, <laughs> okay. Cause it's just, 
I just found out. Have you heard of laughable.com? No. So I guess what it is, it's a, it's a, uh, this new app that they've just created. And I know this, it's going to sound like my first pitch to get onto them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, like Bert Kreischer is the one that where I first heard it and you, you're able to find comics that are on different podcasts and it's oh. a, a really cool app. Like you can search. Yeah. So like, comics. so like if someone hears you on this and you've been on more than five, you can find out, okay, where's Jimmy Calloway been oh, before? Right. And you can find them what podcasts are on and you can, you can, do that with, you can also do that with comics that you would want to hear. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wow. But also, like, let's say if they said uh, that you had a show coming up, uh-huh. um, they'd be able to buy tickets on there as well. Oh, so it's actually good. really, yeah, really good. Sound... Find your merch, find all the kind of stuff that's there. So that it's a really sound... great thing to, to boost comics. It's like a comedy Google. Uh, yeah, and it's actually kind of like a, it's almost kind of like a, a online comics community. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really, really cool. So I want to get on this so I'd look to see, like, Okay, like, what do I need to, to get on there? I've got a podcast. I'm on, you know, Google Music and Apple Podcasts. I think I should be good. So I look and it says, you need to, uh, you need to have this and a thousand Twitter followers. <laughs> yeah. So I go and I'm like, oh, I don't know how many Twitter followers I have because I'm not, dude, I'm fucking 41. I just started like two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Into comedy. So I'm like, I wonder how many I have. So I go up. You don't know how many Twitter followers you have? I do now. Oh. Two. <laughs> yeah, you guys somewhere. So I, I just said that. I was like, hey, everybody, I need a thousand Twitter followers. I got two. Well, Michael, I don't want to brag, but I've got uh, <laughs> just over 1,500 followers. Do is, you? That's fantastic. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you think so, because it does seem kind of on the lower end. <laughs> well, hey, I'm here to... I'm here but to- that's after... I've been building that for... Seven years, you know. Like, I thought I was going to hit a thousand by like six p.m. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> no, I mean you could always buy nine hundred and ninety-eight, and then. Okay. All right, um, so I would say, well, if I had Twitter, I would like follow you. You want me? To, if you set one up for me, I said I'm not Russia. Like I don't need, I don't need your <laughs> fucking. You that? <laughs> Some lady at my work, she's like, she said she would do it for you. She's like, yeah, she's like, I'll just go ahead, just go ahead and set up an account. I'll give you my phone. Well, dude, set up a Twitter account. I'll follow you, and I'm like, yeah. okay. I, I, Wait, you, so she said, she told you to set an account up? For her, on her phone, and then, and then, she, oh, and then follow me. I try to be <laughs> an ethical person, Jimmy. Uh-huh. How's that working out for you? I've got two followers <laughs> out there. <laughs> they were, were well learned. When I started, I started on Twitter in 09, and uh, that was when I wanted to be a novelist. So all my... All the people I followed on Twitter were like other writers that I knew, either personally or just knew of. And then I would, I would only, I didn't really know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And then, so I would tweet like if I got a story published or something, and then link. But then I started following comedians that I liked, and I was like, oh, this is a good format for jokes. And then it was a few years, I think it was around the time when I had that office job because I was now I was working in social media and I had to know how to use it better. Right. So then I started paying closer attention to my Twitter. So um, I unfollowed a bunch of people that were kind of just like, you know, like you unfollow all the celebrities that you started to follow or whatever, like people who are never going to follow you back anyway. Yeah. And I just only followed comics for the most part or other people I thought were funny. And then um, I only tweeted jokes. That was all I that was like when I kind of started to streamline it more. Yeah. And it went so I went from having like three hundred some followers 
that was in 2012 to now I have like 1500. So it was like a, like you, but you, once you start cranking stuff out, once you have sort of a through line of content, like if you have the same stuff yeah. and you're not just, you know, I mean, not that my jokes are great, but they're obviously jokes. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that was, that was kind of, and then that was when I started doing actual standup, I, pulled a lot of because I do a lot of one-liners so I pulled a lot of those early jokes from my Twitter feed oh nice so that was like yeah that was nice having just kind of a backstock not obviously not all of them worked but a good chunk of like my first year was all Twitter jokes and I'll still tweet something and I'll be like oh that's it I should try that on stage yeah I a lot of my stuff has been um storytelling like I just love telling Mm -hmm. stories that are fun that's just how I've always been Mm -hmm. and so um, the whole one-liner thing, I, I haven't, like, uh, I, I haven't developed that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm more engaging with the with the audience, and, and that's what I'm trying to get to right now, is just being as comfortable as I am, yeah. you know, off stage as I am on stage. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. Are you stage. uncomfortable off stage? I'm very uncomfortable off stage. <laughs> Yeah, I'm most uncomfortable when I'm in the shower. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty uncomfortable when I'm in the shower. Try not to try and do the whole, uh, you know, uh, weird science thing where I take my mm-hmm. take a shower with my jeans on. Jeans. Yeah. <laughs> so you were uh, so you had your you, you said that you were listening to uh, podcasts. That's kind of how I start. That's fine. Uh, we're this uh, episode is brought to you by uh, <laughs> Cherry Pepsi. Wow, Cherry the, Pepsi. The choice of a diabetic generation. <laughs> I saw buying soda, but I still drink it whenever it comes near me. You're, so you're kind of like a, uh, what's that? Like a guy who's been quitting smoking. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, hey, can I bum some Pepsi off you? <laughs> Got an extra Pepsi? Nope, still 12 in there, buddy. I don't have a 13th one. It's not a baker's dozen. <laughs> You um, so you, you said that you listened to podcasts. Kind of, I remember. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to podcasts, and uh, it was uh, Kevin Pollock's. Oh, the chat show, yeah. Yeah, and so I was listening to chat show all the time, and just kind of listening to uh, these guys that were like, "Listen, if you just get out there, just just do it," and it was just so. Um, I know. Ever since I was eight, I want to be a comic. Yeah. You know, and it was just like. Well, well, why not? I've already had two two marriages, like <laughs> fucking crash and burn. You've proven that you can fail at something in the mushroom cloud of adultery. Like, I, mean, <laughs> you know, like, I was joking, but it's kind of true. Like if you can, I think though, because I was, I think we're probably in the same boat for the most part. Yeah. I was 11 years old and I told my parents I wanted to be a stand-up and they were like, "Oh no, that's not gonna, that won't do at all." <laughs> and then I was 36 before I was like. Wait a minute! I don't have to do. I don't have to do what they say anymore. So, um, yeah, and it was. Uh, it really is just a matter of just doing it. At least to begin with. Obviously, there's more to it once you start doing yeah. it. But once I started doing it, it just kind of became. Oh, okay. This is just what I'm going to do now. And it wasn't like there's no. That was the hardest part. I think was just getting over. You know, my own ego enough to do it yeah and I guess like once you like once you get out there um I guess there's two things the first thing was wow there's people that are a lot worse than I thought I'd ever have to be yes 
that are up here, yes, quote unquote, air quotes, doing it. That was my main fear. Right. Yeah. I did not want to suck really bad because I'd watched a lot of stand up and even just like in San Diego, which is where I'm from, obviously, um, if I haven't made that clear. <laughs> um, I used to go to a lot of shows around town, especially when I was in uh, college and stuff because I didn't have any money and there were a lot of free shows and mm-hmm. I love stand up. So, um, yeah, but there were so many bad stand ups. And I remember thinking that to myself at one point and I was like, you know what? I think I'm fine just watching and not having I didn't want to contribute to terrible comedy and I knew that everybody was going to not be you can't come out of the gate be super good but I just I don't know I I couldn't wrap my head around being bad at it I guess see like which is a crazy way to think yeah like and the thing is like I don't I think I'm still young in the fact where I I haven't had that soul crushing like, what the fuck am I even pretending to be up here yet? You know what I mean? Like, everything yeah. is still... But on the other hand, like, I'm not up there doing jokes about my job at Target because that's right. all I know. Or, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, I've had enough life experience yes. to where I've been able to know what my position is yes. as a fucking 40-year-old. You know right. what I mean? And so, in that aspect, I think that I have a, a lot better chance at, at, like, at least having a voice... Yeah. Or an opinion. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. That's, that's what it is. And I think that, yeah, that's been my experience so far is that, because, you know, now, and I'm sure you're the same way, like all my friends are in their early 20s and they're, you know, growing up while also doing comedy. I'm like, yeah. oh, boy, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that, that, that soul crushing, what am I doing with myself moment? I've already had that a few times. So I'm not really worried about having it again yeah. at this point. It's like well, nothing's worse than than do, going through what I've had to deal with with real life. Yeah, exactly. That's you, like you know what I mean. I've had a biological father fucking disown me. Right. I've had I've, two wives go fuck you. I've to, Brian I've, and Nick are a lot better than you. <laughs> yeah, and you can't really what what bomb is going to be bigger than that? I I've told the story a couple times, so maybe I'll retire after this. But uh, I was at a mic a few months ago, and it was a middle-of-the-day mic, and it was, you know, an L.A. mic. It's like there's nobody there but comics, and it's really just yeah. kind of nobody, nobody cares. And I was sitting there just waiting for my turn, and this guy sitting next to me I've never seen before in my life. He turns and he looks at me and he goes, man, this is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and I go... Jesus, dude. I, I didn't. So I didn't say it, but I was like, "Yeah, you know, uh, when I was 26, the girl I loved had a miscarriage, and then uh, left me because I kept drinking too much after that." Oh God, yeah. It's just like this open mic. Yeah, exactly. exactly like yeah. This is just what I was thinking. Yeah. When you're sitting there going, "Fuck, I gotta wake up in two hours," yeah. and I was like, "Let me put you on the phone with my dad, who's fought in Vietnam. You can tell him what a nightmare this mic is." But it is, and not to like, I wouldn't want to be dismissive of anyone's feelings either like that guy for that guy it is a nightmare because he's probably in his mid to late 20s at most and he hasn't had he hasn't really taken in in the ass by life at all so once you have then it's like yeah it toughens you up and uh it's like oh yeah this is even the worst mic i would rather do than sit in that office job anymore yeah like and I'm like, I've never been more broke than I am right now, and I've been pretty broke. <laughs> yeah. And it's still like, yeah, but, you know, 
That this this is really the only way to go. My my thing <laughs> is that okay, I wanted to grow up and and be a comic. That was my dream mm-hmm. at some point. You yeah. know what I mean? And, when, and, and literally, if you were to ask me, what? Hey, hey, Mikey, mm-hmm. what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a stand-up comic. Okay. To some extent, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not touring. I'm not selling out places, but no. I am legitimately doing that. Right. You know, aside from Steven Seagal, that was like, "Hey, you want to go uh, arrest people? Yeah, fuck yeah, I want to be a, a cop." You know what I mean? They're like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, that guy also not that good at comics. Not, <laughs> yeah, not <very laughs> he's not very good. Yeah. But I mean, unless you have you reach a certain level of of uh, fantasy life, mm-hmm. most people can't just go up and say, "Okay, I'm going to go live my dream today." There's guys that said, "I want to be a professional baseball player," and they're drinking beer and playing softball. Right. But you know, unless you're in front of big league dreams, you're really not playing in front of like thirty thousand fans. You know, right. those, all those people are painted on. Right. And so, like to this aspect, like if there's anybody that's out there that wants to like do stand up, fucking give it a go. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there's absolutely. what you're doing in front of in front of an audience of 11 or an audience of 300 is the same as to an extent mm-hmm. what someone's doing in front of in front of a, a, a an audience of you know 3,000. I mean, granted, like I've and and that's what has been so eye opening to me is I listen to so many podcasts to try and be the fly on the wall. Mm-hmm of so many of these great comics that you're like, I think it was uh, Amy Schumer where she was like, you know what? I, I'm a really good comic in front of, you know, 150 people. Mm-hmm. I was a really good comic in front of 300 people. They put me out on a tour where I'm doing theaters. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, mm-hmm. you know, cause she came from last comic standing. Mm-hmm. She's like, and I didn't understand. There's a different, it's a different projection. Right. You know what I mean? No. Um, I mean, I don't, but... No, but I mean, but I guess... <laughs> I've not experienced that, but yeah, I know what you're saying. But she's like, it's... But it's kind of like, you know how to be funny in front of your friends. Yeah. You know how to be funny in front of, you know, uh, at, at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. And you definitely know how to be funny in front of 100 people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But if you said that, okay, now you're playing Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... There's going to be a difference in how you have to play that. Right, but I, I think, would think. Yeah, I would think so too. But also, I mean, Amy Schumer's path is probably different. I mean, everybody's path is different, obviously. But yeah. I think, like her particular path, that was uh, that was like a, a curveball she was throwing. But I think for most people, it's a more gradual thing. So yeah. you go from like you know Brian Regan plays. Obviously, the huge theaters and stuff, but yeah. that wasn't overnight at all because he right. never really broke hugely. Like he was never in movies or on TV or right. anything. He just was a comic his whole right. career and continues to be. So like that, and even like Steve Martin in the seventies, you know, it, what it was like a very gradual thing to where he was selling out amphitheaters. Yeah. So yeah, I think if you were if you were to ease yourself into it. That's been my experience anyway, is everything, like when I started, I just was very rigid and, I mean, that's like part of the shtick, but also it was just kind of how it was, I was very 
unrelaxed. And, uh, like, I never thought I'd be able to host. I never thought I'd be able to... I never. I was so deathly afraid of being heckled because I didn't think I could handle it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I could do crowd work. And now I find myself doing all that stuff. Even when I'm, you know, when you move to L.A. and the open mic scene is very intimidating when you're new. Yeah. Even if you know people. And I had a good amount of friends up here already because I live so close. But, um... So you have to, like, I had to learn how to be funny in front of open micers, and it's just, like, it's a, you know, it's a process. So I feel, so far, the um, everything that's been kind of put down in front of me, I've been able to handle. And so I don't, and I don't expect to be all of a sudden, you know, in front of, the, I don't I don't expect to be doing theaters next week. Oh, so of course, I'm just yeah. continuing. I was asking, so I was talking to someone today, and, there, and uh, one of my, Coworkers was like, oh, so, um, you know, you're, um, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to hustle home because I got a podcast I'm recording. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, like, are you, so when do you plan on quitting the show? I was like, that's not going to happen. Like, I mean, like, there's, the thing is, is that it's, uh, I, I was like, even on an overnight success, Mm-hmm. I still got eight years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I still got at least eight years it before is, overnight success happens yeah, for me. It's weird how I forget that, like, because even before I started doing stand-up or anything, I had an idea of how things worked. Yeah. And so, you know, I would watch comics go from being lesser known to getting gradually bigger. And I'm like, and then people go, oh, have you heard of Amy Schumer? I was like, well, yeah, but I didn't. It, it never occurred to me that people weren't paying that close attention. Like I was paying closer attention because I like stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always kind of forget that. And so, yeah, people do think when they find out that you're doing comedy, they're like, "Oh, well." Like they they just think they don't. I don't know. They have a different idea of how it works, which I think works to our advantage, certainly. Yeah, I had I had someone uh, I had a bunch of people come from from my office to come and see a show. They like all mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I, it was just a wave of people that were like, oh, like we're going to go see you. And so, um, what was so funny is that this one lady was like, I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, I started doing stand up, and she was like, uh, she's like, oh yeah, she's like, I heard, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, I said you did, and she's like, yeah, but I wasn't invited to your show, and I'm like. It's a show. It's a <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I really... Have you seen Born Identity? Did Matt Damon invite you to go and take no. a look at it? Like, well, Matt Damon didn't invite me to go see Born Identity. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I don't... That's always a weird thing. People do that. People used to do that when I was in a band. People go, oh, well, I guess I'm not invited. And I go, are you kidding me? I stopped telling people after a while because they wouldn't show up. So I'm right. just like, yeah, I'm not going to bother people. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And also, like, it's... it's um, it's it's really uh, it, it's it, it's there's a vulnerability to it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's like no one wants to shit the bed with people that you have to see on a daily basis. Like it's okay, like you shit the bed in front of people that you don't know, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, you'll never see them again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had some of my coworkers come to see me a few months ago, and they were all they all seemed surprised that I was any good. <laughs> Oh really? Which was like like one of my coworkers like, oh yeah, you were good, dude. And I was like, thank you. Like, yeah. Hey, all right. Yeah, but, I think uh, that people were like, wow, you're really you're really funny. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, thank you. Like I 
I didn't, and and to an extent, like it, like I don't think so. Like I sit there and I'm, and and I know that you're overly critical about everything you do, but like, I, what the hell is Weatherby doing? Yeah. Sorry, you can hear my dog barking in the background. No, that's all right. That's yeah, Molly's house. Don't want to break the fourth wall. Yeah, it's okay. Sorry about this, people. <laughs> I'll make sure that I, I put the. Yeah, uh, your listeners are going to be incensed because they can hear a dog in the background. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna make sure they're I put, gonna undownload this. I'm gonna put the uh, the electric uh, <laughs> collar on him and just. Once you got the downloads, man. I don't even know how that works. We're gonna talk afterwards about how that works. But you, um, so you said that you were listening to a lot of podcasts. Mm. You went from. Uh, uh, so what was it like the first time you went out to uh, to an open mic? It was pretty scary. Where'd you go? I went to the American Comedy Company in San Diego, which. About which I started. That was on August twenty third of twenty thirteen, and like nine months later, I was working there. Do you know your you know your comedy birthday? Yeah, don't you? I don't. It's more important to me than my real birthday. <laughs> I was born on August first. I quit drinking on October twenty fourth. But who gives a shit? I realized, <laughs> yeah, first time I went up was August twenty third. Did you stop drinking? <clears throat> The I stopped after, drinking. No, it wasn't the day after you went on. <laughs> no, it was October October twenty fourth when I stopped drinking. It was oh. that same year. Oh yeah. No, the night I went up was the, I think the night I went up was the first the night I first went up also ended up being the last night I got annihilated, drunk afterwards. But uh, yeah, it was so much fun, dude. I I I, I got laid off in June of twenty thirteen. I started putting together an act, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, I like I I wrote out like five minutes worth of stuff. Excuse me. And then um, it was still another month before I got the nerve to even go to an open mic. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the ACC because I had been there to see shows and I love that club and I still do. It's my home club. Right. So I wanted my first time going up to be there to be special. So did you like right. candles? I did. <laughs> Did you? Did, yeah, how much well, axe spray were you wearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this, all this bad cologne. On. I was actually, I was wearing an actual axe. I misread <laughs> the ad, so I looked like Paul Bunyan. Um, no, I didn't want. I didn't want to go up at a at a bar mic or something like that. I wanted to go up, which a lot of people felt that way or feel that way about the ACC. Yeah. It's still in San Diego. It's like the A plus club. So. Um, so that was when it was on Tuesday. So I, for like four Tuesdays in a row, I would go and not get pulled, which was not uncommon. Right. Um, and, and a relief, right? You kind know. of. Yeah. It was You're like, like oh, every, every Tuesday night after it was over, I was relieved, but also like, I want to oh, get this over with. Yeah. And I knew there were other mics in town, but I didn't want to. Right. I wanted this place to be the first place I went up. And I'm glad I held out for it. That's really cool, dude. That's And that's... Uh, that's really, um, I, I know, I'm, I, I know I made the joke about it being like your first time, but that's mm-hmm. fucking beautiful, dude. That, <laughs> that, like you, yeah, I mean, and it was. That, that you wanted to be a certain way, you wanted all yeah. those terms, and it was because of the relationship that you'd already made, right, with comedy, yes, like, like with my girlfriend, like, I told her, like, I'm not having sex with you till I make you dinner, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's just how it's gonna be, mm-hmm. and so, that like, to an well, it's you know, I. Uh, but the thing is, is that that's kind of, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Like mm-hmm. you're like, no, like this is how 
it's going to be on my terms. It's going to be yeah when when everything lines up and it's all it's all right. And that's that's fucking beautiful, man. <laughs> well, I hadn't put that much thought into it. I don't think at the time, but I think that is what I was thinking. Like I wasn't in a super hurry. Yeah. Because I was already 36. I'd already done some shit. It, yeah. it wasn't like... A lot of people turn to comedy or to showbiz in general, I think. Like, oh, I got to do something. Yeah. And get out of my miserable life right away. Which, that's how I looked at at uh, being a writer when I was in my early 20s. I was like, I got to hurry up and get published and make a living doing this so I don't have to work at 7-Eleven anymore. That was how I thought it was going to work. Yeah. So by the time I started doing stand-up, I was a little more patient, and I was like, you know, I want to do this, but yeah, I want to do it at this club that I already loved, and it was already the best comedy club in San Diego, and I'd lived in San Diego my whole life, and uh, and seen a lot of stand-up there, but that place was like, that was where I first saw uh, Dave Foley go up, that was where I first saw John Doerr go up, like a lot of, like, clearly the club... Right. knew what it was doing as far as comedy and I wanted to be a part of that if, even if only a small part right. like going up there for the first time I ended up being a much larger part of it later but that was at the time that was all I wanted so yeah when I finally got to go up and it went okay for, for a first set it went way better than I thought it was going to go mm-hmm. and I think just in, for a first because you've seen people go up for the first time and a lot of times it's awful but don't even they miss the, the light I mean everything's just terrible just, yeah it's like a perfect storm and I was so afraid that that was going to happen to me and I'm you know still relieved that it did it so yeah and it, it was worth it so then but then as soon that was on uh, Tuesday and then I think that Thursday I went up again and then it was just like from then on it was every night that I could yeah so once I once I did it that first time and kind of had that locked down, then it was just like, okay, now I just have to do this as much as I possibly can. And uh, here we are now. <laughs> I want to I want to kind of backtrack a bit. So you so you originally wanted to be a writer. Yeah. So when you were you write um, uh, and again, not everything's about me, but like I remember my dad was like, <laughs> "Your show, dude." Hey, okay. my dad was like, uh, "You know, he wanted me to be a writer for the LA Times." Ah. Uh-huh. You know. The guy's a visionary. Like, <laughs> yep. I knew that newspaper was going to be around forever. And so, um, so I remember, uh, like, he would always try and have me to write and write and write. And I, like, it, it wasn't, I, I would tell stories. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was at uh, Northridge, uh, my SAT score, that took it so late that they didn't know how to place me. Mm-hmm. So they put me in the first class that wasn't English as a second language class. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we'd have free rights. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, um, <laughs> I was the only one that didn't have an accent. And uh, I ended up getting something published out of that year. Like, they took, like, little, like, it was student writings, and it was mm-hmm. this stupid little story that I was... Uh, she said, the, the teacher was just so fucking frustrated she's like you know what on the free ride she would say write about your favorite holiday mm-hmm. and so i'd make up this elaborate story about john crayola day mm-hmm. you know about how it was my favorite and i'd give the whole backstory about john and mm-hmm. how like has a wax a candlestick maker in france that really loved painting but it was too expensive on and on so then one day she was just like you know just write about anything i don't know what happened but she was pissed and she's like just write about anything I was like, anything? She's like, anything. I was like, 
could be a color. She's like, anything, just write anything. So I wrote this story about this guy whose favorite color was yellow and the whole backstory about how it was yellow. So it's like, he, it started out like, he's like, I live in a yellow house uh, with, uh, and I drive a yellow car. I have uh, 17 shirts that are all yellow that run the gambit mm-hmm. from the darkest uh, mustard yellow to the lightest canary. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, 14 pairs of yellow shoes. Um, and, um, and he says, uh, you know, I, I believe it all goes back to my first love. And her name was Angela. Mm-hmm. And I'd do anything for Angela. And one day, Angela came to me and she says, you know, if there's... She she lost her favorite ribbon. And so I had to drop everything. I was in first grade and this my love mm-hmm. needed my help. So we ran to the, to the monkey bars and we searched around. We couldn't find it. We ran to the... To the um, you know, to the merry-go-round, there was nothing there, and finally we went to the to the uh, swing sets, and and as we were pushing through the sand, I saw the most beautiful yellow ribbon. Wait a minute, was it blue? <laughs> and that's how I, and that's how I ended it, you know, and so. Um, that thing fucking got published. <laughs> like, I don't know how, but it did. And yeah. so, um, did you want to be a, were you writing in high school? Were you writing in, yeah. like, and what was your first medium? Was it comp? Because I know you're into comic books. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, what was your, what was your first um, love of literature and how did you get started into writing? Um, it was like a similar sort of deal where, uh, yeah, very early on in elementary school, like, creative writing was my favorite. And I, I used to, I used to like, I used to always used to read a lot. I still do. Mm-hmm. I read a lot as a kid. It was one of those like kind of bookish kids. And uh, yeah, then I got super into comic books when I was you know eleven. And then uh, into high school, um, I used, I couldn't, I wanted to do comic books, but I couldn't draw. I would occasionally like, I would make friends with guys who could, and and we would bang out some comics. But they were usually just like strips, like one or two pages long. And then when I was 16, I got super into punk rock, and then I started writing fanzines, so I was doing those. So it was mostly writing about... I'm not sure what a fanzine is. Oh, it's like a homemade magazine. Okay. Like, it was just, okay. you know, folded over, photocopied, and uh, so I would write, you know, record reviews and write about bands that I liked, interview bands that I liked. So I still like writing fiction and stuff, but it, that was more... I was always into both, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. From a young age. And then, yeah, when I was 20 or 21, I decided I wanted to be a novelist. I wanted to be a fiction writer. So I started taking classes at community college for that. And the same deal, like, I started getting published, like, in the student, um, you know, magazine or whatever. Yeah. And then it was still a few more years than... It was, like, that was, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And that was before, you know, the internet had really hit big. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't trying. I wasn't really trying to get published anymore. I was just trying to focus on writing, and I wanted to finish school finally. And so, but I still that was always my goal was to eventually be a novelist. And then around '08, I think was when I got my first story published in this magazine called Plots with Guns, like an online 
uh, fiction magazines, all crime fiction. That was what I was super into. So Plots of Guns was the first place I got published. And then I started, there was a nice little scene going in crime fiction around that time, like 08, 09 into 2010. And so it was me and like a lot of guys, a lot of my friends and a lot of guys that I made friends with. And we were all, you know, youngish, late 20s, early 30s guys. And so, and I think none of us are writing crime fiction anymore. But yeah. like we were around for a while. And then um, I finished a novel. I would written a couple novels over those over those years that just never went anywhere. Hmm. Like the very first one I wrote when I was 23 <clears throat> was just unreadable. And then I wrote another. I finished at least the finished one a few years later. Yeah, I was like 25, I want to say, 26. Uh-huh. And it was better, but it still wasn't like, you know, and I tried like, a couple agents or whoever else, you know, and uh, but it wasn't going anywhere. I was still getting published regularly, like short fiction, and then um, in 2013, same year, I started stand up. I finished my novel that's published now. I have it. Oh, really? Actually published. That's awesome. So we'll save I, it. It's called Lupo Danish Never Has Nightmares, and it's uh, available on Amazon.com. If you Fantastic. have one of those near you, and. Uh, so yeah, I finished that in 2013, and then I started doing stand-up, and I didn't really, I haven't really written much fiction since then. I've written for, because I was also still, while I was doing all the short fiction stuff, I, I edited this site called Criminal Complex, which was like a crime fiction news website, mm-hmm. and then um, I've written for Splitsider, still write for Splitsider fairly regularly, not as often as I used to. But still writing like nonfiction stuff, like I still like to do that. So how? So are you still? Are you, are you writing <coughs> short stories, or is it articles, or for a split center? Yeah, yeah, it's articles. I I have like one like kind of comedy story, like you know that I have not submitted anywhere right. that I might try to send them. I never really think about it because mostly when I write fiction, it's not as funny. Yeah, there's usually jokes in it, but it's usually not what you. It's not humor. Is it, you know. is it darker or is it just, is it, is it more of the, like a crime based or? Yeah, Lupo is a, is a superhero gangster novel. So it's like, it's crime based, but it's also very much the comic books I grew up and still do read all the time. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, yeah, so there's, it is, it is a little darker, I guess. It's certainly way more violent, but it is also, I think it's funny. I mean, there's jokes in it. Right. You know, there's like jokes in Pulp Fiction and stuff right. like that, like that right. same kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, once, so yeah, 2013 is when I finished Lupo Danish, and then I, I didn't know what to do with it, and then I was very frustrated. Like, I, again, sh- like, shopped it around, nobody wanted it. Um, but then I was working with these guys in Australia who are like friends of mine. And they had started, they had restarted this magazine called Crime Factory, and then they wanted to start publishing original fiction. So they had done a couple novellas, and they were like, we should just do Lupo Danish. And I was like, oh, okay. It never occurred to me because I was part of them. So I didn't, you know what I mean? I was like looking, it felt too much like self-publishing if we just did it. Right, right, But also there's nothing wrong with self-publishing, which I never could, I, I think I finally got my head wrapped around it. Because Crime Factory put it out in 2015, and now they're folded up, so I'm going to take the book and just self-publish it now. But, um... So what, can you tell me, uh, for the listeners, like, what, what's it about? Like, I, I know you said crime, 
prime mm-hmm. hero. Yeah, it's so Lupo is basically an enforcer, like a mob enforcer. Oh yeah. But he's super powered and the guys he fights are also super powered. It's never really explained how these guys are powered right. the way they are, but um yeah, I just wanted to write. I wanted to. It was it was very very loosely based on Beowulf. Like I kind of got the idea after mm-hmm. reading Beowulf, and so it's you know three parts, and he fights a different bad guy in each part, and okay. uh, and yeah, so like the it's just and really there's just a lot of punching. Is yeah. really most of it. And, I and tried to like. Is it is it like Sin City or like um it's like in, Marvel? Oh, like, I, like, I think it's probably. It might be closer to Marvel than to Sin City. Okay. It definitely has like noiry vibe to it, like Sin City. But Sin City is really simple, and I tried to make it a little more complicated. And like the Marvel superheroes are all very guilt-ridden, mm-hmm. and they have a lot of neuroses and stuff. So that was definitely something I put into. Yeah, because Marvel's my absolute favorite. Is it written for all age groups or mostly no. adults? I mean, I mean, it's not. There's not any sex in it. There's not any. There's like swearing and what? stuff. I mean, you're. There, I think there's one. You, you usually come into the club with like seven <laughs> women, so I just figured like be dripping with. Those are all my sisters. <laughs> um, no, I never. I've never. I do like fucking quite a bit. It's one of my But when it comes to like writing sex scenes, it always feels dumb to me. Or like I'm not, I don't know, it feels goofy. I think there is, there's a sex scene that gets glossed over. Like Lupo has sex with a lady, but you don't really see it. You see it before and the after, but you don't see the yeah. actual, the act. Um, so yeah, it's pretty violent though. Uh, but it's not like, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's, uh, like if I were a twelve or thirteen year old kid, I would probably like it. Cool. But I used to read shit like that when I was that age. So yeah, yeah. And and I guess the uh, I guess the thing is that the, the the bar keeps getting either raised or lowered depending on you're looking at the age. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Because it's it's amazing like what what the internet has provided. You know. In, in all aspects from from porn to YouTube you know what I mean like the, the, what that's the kids can see the two poles yeah that's it like you know what I mean like, <laughs> yeah no it's uh, yeah I don't know I mean I certainly when I when I when I do anything I'm not really thinking about who the audience is going to be uh-huh. after the fact I'd be like oh you know this could be for this or that maybe but right yeah, when I wrote it, I didn't. I, I think when I wrote it, I didn't expect anybody who wasn't an adult to be reading it. So that's my girl. Hello. Hi. Uh, T Bird. Jimmy. 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 Nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you. So um, yeah. Gosh, would be a buzzkill. Let's get. No, but uh, the um, so you. You've been published, and then uh, you said that you still do that. You still have some. Do you do editing now, or yeah? For my well, yeah. One of my day jobs is I uh, edit books for this very small, not very small, this agency back in San Diego. Oh, okay. And so they'll send me books to edit, or sometimes just to read. Like I'm kind of like a first reader. Oh, okay. Um, so that's just like part time thing that I do in the afternoons. 
Excuse me. Um, so yeah, that's that was brought to you by Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not the only one that did it on the... Yeah. yeah. That, was, that, um, was, that was the first episode was her belching. Yeah. I mean, we're all adults here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I still write for Split Cider occasionally. Um, that's cool, man. I have, like, other fiction stuff that I want to do, but I just don't have any time. That was the thing, is when I started doing stand-up, I really just kind of... I didn't forget about being a fiction writer but it wasn't I always wanted to be a fiction writer but then when I started doing stand-up I was like oh no this is what I really should be doing right and so doing fiction writing is still something I want to do and I'm glad I have something else I can do mm-hmm. um, you know if, if ever it gets to be sometimes stand-up gets to be too much and I want to do something else have you ever thought of uh, not necessarily marrying him but like I know that I have some friends that listen to uh like different crime stories with podcasting mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Have you ever thought about taking your your stories into a different media? That's actually I had that has occurred to me, but I don't know if I want to do that. I think I would like to do if I want if I were to do like a podcast or something audio. I think it would be comedy, but mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to to doing something like that, but. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather write original content for something like that than do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but who's who's to say? I w- what I wouldn't mind though is if I could carve out a path sort of like John Hodgman, where he's known for being a comedian and an actor. Mm-hmm. I'm not as into the acting, but and he also is like a published author, right. like that kind of that's appealing to me to like to be able to get to a point where I can live doing comedy and writing instead of having to work day jobs that I don't care about if I had a day job that I did care about and got to do comedy right. like that would be the best I think but <clears throat> it really is just kind of a matter of time I did I have like because all those short stories that I had published it, a lot of them most of them even are kind of in the same sort of shared universe mm-hmm. so I could put together fairly easily, but it would still take some effort, like a book of those. Right. And uh, and then I have like a novella that I wrote a few years ago that I never did anything with that I would I wouldn't mind seeing the light of day. Mm-hmm. And with self publishing is self when I started when I was writing a lot like 10, 12 years ago, self publishing was like that was a vanity press. That was something you did if you had the money to like burn or something like that. But now you can do it for, you know, very little money and it's not as low budget, I guess it's not as, it's not as you you can, you can pull off the the look of the higher end. I mean, so there's so many bad self published stuff out there. That's still true. Just like, there's so much bad stand up out there. Right. You know, there's a huge, everybody wants to be a part of it and, or whatever. But uh, yeah, you can you can do good self-published work. My friend, uh, my friend Johnny Shaw, he has a deal with Amazon. Like they publish him. But um, so how does that work? Does he submit the story and then they handle all of the print? And yeah. Oh wow. Pretty much. And uh, but he did that himself. Like he doesn't have an agent or anything like that. He just I don't know how he did it exactly, but and he's really fucking good. So he's not. I wouldn't say he's he's not self-published, but he's published in a different 
way that he's traditional. He's not, it's not a traditional path that he's sort of right. Like, he had, where he had an agent, he broke into some big publisher in New York right. or any of that shit. So yeah, it's it's a lot easier to uh, it's a lot easier to self publish, and it makes more sense in today's world than it would a few years ago, even you know. So for someone that wants to get into into writing now, like knowing all that you know, mm-hmm. like how would you? What would be your advice to? Because I know that I have like I have friends that, that listen to this and they've got kids and they're they're all into books. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I've probably read eight books like mm-hmm. in my whole life. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That's a lot. Yeah, you Where know. Where do you find the time for a man of my dimensions? That's huge, bro. <laughs> that's huge. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but it's uh, I'm trying to be better at that. <laughs> There's no better or worse. I used to read a book a week, and I was smug about it. And now, I'm lucky if I get to read, like, a book a month. But I think I, I mostly read comic books now. I think I burned out on reading fiction, or just books, like, I think mine, books. Yeah, mine happened in, like, eighth grade. Yeah. I read I mean, the I used to, I've never not read comic books. <laughs> I've always read a lot of comics. But I used to always... Because I used to have boring retail jobs, so I'd always have a book. Oh, okay. And uh, so I used to work graveyard a lot, so that was like a lot of reading done then. But I think actually it was around when I finished uh, Lubo, the the first draft of it anyway, that I did kind of get burned out on reading <clears throat> in general. What was the last book that you read? That last you, book that I you, read. The last book you read, and what was the last uh, book you read that you really loved? The last book I read, I think, was uh, an Elmore Leonard novel called Unknown Man, number 87, which was really good. If you, I mean, Elmore Leonard's always one of my favorites. That was one of the few I hadn't read yet. But uh, Elmore Leonard, are you familiar? He, uh, did you ever watch Justified? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That was based on his stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and then like movies like uh, Get Shorty, that was based on one of his books. And Jackie Brown was based on one of his books. So I'd always been super into his books. I think I've read... I think it was probably only a couple I haven't read at this point. So I, I read I that. Up, I think I brought up Get Shorty just the other day. Yeah, it's a great movie. And it's a great book. That's uh, that, that, Is that with Vince Vaughn where he's... Uh, no, that's the sequel, Be Cool, which that, is not Okay, good. Be Cool. That's, <laughs> that's okay. terrible. Yeah. The book is good. <laughs> but the movie was not good Yeah, the, the movie was horrible. But I brought it up. I love that very great, but that movie sucked. I, I brought... Uh, that's why the connection was because it was the sequel to Get Shorty. It was the sequel, yeah. And... This is not a very good sequel. <laughs> he opened up the truck. He's like, you brought an aluminum bat? Do you remember that? I don't the, remember. Oh, oh, well, so, I tried to block that movie. Yeah, it's so there, this scene where there's a there's a mobster that always beats up everybody with a Louisville slugger, mm-hmm. and um, Vince Vaughn plays this, I guess this pimp that's trying to be have street cred, but right. he's a cartoonish and all things, and he always right. has red. So. He goes to get a bat, so of course he has to get a red bat. So he gets a red aluminum bat, and he just gets laughed at. And wackiness you know? ensues. Yeah, yeah, that movie sucks. It, it was that's the only that's the only that's the only thing the I remember was really that. Good. Yeah, but yeah, so that was the last. I think that was the last book I read. That was like in October because I was on a flight, so I think I read it just pretty much mm. on that flight. Um, gosh, it feels like it's got to be, and I, I did love that book. So that's part B of your question. I also like this year. I read uh, Keith Morris's book uh, called I can't remember the name of it now. But Keith Morris was the he was the original lead singer of Black Flag and the Circle Jerks. Oh, okay, 
And that yeah, was really good. Well, one. you said that you're into into the punk rock scene. Very much into the punk rock music. Yes. Do you still play? No, I was in a band. I was in bands pretty regular, like when I was, you know, I, I was in a few bands when I was eighteen, nineteen, and then I didn't do another one until I was about twenty four. Mm-hmm. Something like that, maybe a little. It was in '04. I was in a band called the Dissimilars, and then from then, like we, that band broke up in '08. But from '04 up until around when I started stand up, I was in bands constantly. What made you stop? I couldn't do both. After yeah. a while, like when I started doing stand up, I thought I could. I thought I could be in, like I could do both, and I wanted to because I'd like to do both, but. Um, I was also unemployed. I was on unemployment, so that allowed me to do both. Right. But once I had to get a job, it was like I had to ditch something. And I'd already pretty much done everything I wanted to in a band. I'd already toured a bunch, and I we, you know, put records out, and I had, you know, sex with copious amounts of women. So I was like, I'm done with that part. <laughs> Be a comedian and never have sex again. Now. So yeah, it was it was kind of. And it's kind of it's it's a you're silly. Just, you're just a multi-faceted. <laughs> yeah, multi. God, look at you, you beautiful beast. <laughs> you say so. It really, actually, and it, it's silly. And I'm trying to think less like this, but once because I'm 40 now, and I think with rock and roll, it's a young man's game, and I don't I don't think old guys should be doing it. I did just go and see a band called The Sloppy Seconds. Uh, a few months ago who were who have been one of my favorite <laughs> bands since I was in high school and who are all probably in their 50s by now yeah I did go see them but only be, mostly because I'd never seen them before uh-huh. they hadn't been to the they have not been to the west coast they had not been since like the mid 90s so this was my last chance probably to see them uh-huh. but yeah I don't much go in for old men doing punk rock anymore it's, no it's kind of embarrassing when the <laughs> and that includes me I did uh, I will occasionally in fact my one of my I was in a band called Slab City and we never officially broke up and so we played a show in September I think we have another one coming up in April really so that but that's like once a year maybe we'll do that what's um, uh what do you play I'm the I'm the vocalist for that. You're the vocalist. Particular band. I was usually the front man for yeah. most. I played keyboards in a band called The Stallings of Sound. That was the last active band I was in. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really a keyboardist. I just kind of they showed me what to do and I did it. Do you, you know play I mean? any instruments? Or no? no. Oh no. No. I played bass very very briefly when I was 21. Um, I could fake my way through that if I had to again, but yeah. fortunately I don't. Um, I never learned guitar. I'd like to learn the drums for real. I used to I used to fuck around on the drummer's kit. Uh-huh. I never really learned how to play drums, but I would. That's something I would like to do. Like if I ever had a chunk of money, that's the bucket list. That's uh, that's yeah. Would you get the uh, an acoustic set or an electric set? Probably an acoustic one. It yeah. depends though. Like if if I had, it would depend on where I could play it. Like yeah, if right. I could play, if I had somewhere where I could play it, it wouldn't you know bother anybody. Yeah. But otherwise, I might buy an electrical set. Yeah, electric sets are pretty fun to fuck around with, but I prefer the actual. Some of them feel really good, though. Like, Some of them are really good. I went to the like the Rollins, like those. Uh, uh, yeah, Roland makes makes yeah. uh, it like a I was top at. End uh, there's like some downtown LA. There's like the Hard Rock Museum. I think it is. Mm-hmm. And I was down there. It's kind of a ripoff, but they had 
an electric kit that you could play on. So I horsed around on that for a while. And it was a lot nicer than any of the other kits I'd seen. I have a few guitars that uh, obviously are way, way better than I could ever play them. Uh-huh. Um, but I have a, uh, I got a Gretsch, uh, a hollow body double cutaway that is... I picked up just, about half of those words that you said. But all right. It's just gorgeous. No regrets. It's yeah, bad. it's beautiful. <laughs> I probably, I... Because, <clears throat> yeah, since I'm not technically a musician, I never really picked up all the lingo and stuff. Yeah. But if I saw what you were talking about, I'd probably go, oh, yeah, I could see... From a good guitar, or not. Yeah, it was. It it really is. I I wish I I wish I knew how to play it. Yeah, and nice. I just got these big old fucking sausage you got some, fingers. Yeah, you got some paws on you. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's great for picking people up by the throat. Sure. Yeah. Not not a whole lot of call for that in a guitarist. No. But no. I mean, it's not a bad skill to have as a backup. You know, when you're working uh, when you're working as a bouncer for ten years, you mm-hmm. kind of. Kind of comes naturally. Sure, you know. This is how you greet people. This is how you say hello. It's so funny. Like when, <laughs> when I meet comics, and they're like, "Holy shit, dude! Like you're, what are you doing here? Like, why, why did they give you, you the microphone? <laughs> you have you have done that? Have you bounced at a, at a comedy club before? Because never a comedy club. Never a comedy club. You should look into that because that would be a good way to get in if you, that's just what you wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hell, I'm close enough to Ontario. Yeah. yeah. Um, I might think about that. And right now, I've got so much going on, dude, sure. between, um, you know, being a dad and, you know, trying to do full-time work and mm-hmm. no, I mean, and podcasts and everything else. Nine hours in the day. I tell you. Yeah, it, everything takes forever. <laughs> dude, it's like, literally, like... Life it's, takes forever. It's amazing, like, how fast time flies. No, you know it's what not I mean? that I think, amazing. I, well, that I mean, I, I think it's just because I remember how it was when I was eight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, dude, it used to take forever for, like, the week to go by. Yeah. Well, it still does for me in a lot of ways. I mean, it just depends on what you're doing. Like, I work this morning job. It's just, like, a data entry job. And, uh, mm. you know, the other day I got there and I was working. And I was like, oh, boy, it's been, like, six hours already. And it had been 20 to 25 minutes that I'd been <laughs> So, but yeah, then as soon Dude, as... Dude, I've had those days down, where you're like, oh man, it's been 23 fucking minutes. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I had to... What's your, what's your worst job you ever had? Oh boy. I don't... They've all been pretty bad. Uh, I don't know. I had a... They're all terrible. When I worked at the ACC, that was a good job. And when I... I mean, it wasn't... There was times where it was, you know, very stressful, but mm-hmm. it was ultimately the best job. Especially for being into comedy. And then I used to work at a comic book store. Still technically do. Like, I run their social media for them. But I used to work in the shop for, like, on weekends for about ten years. How does working in a comic store suck? Like It does. That's what I'm saying. Those oh, are the two jobs. Those are the two that were good. That were good. Oh, okay. All the other ones have been terrible. Oh. <laughs> Across the board, awful, awful jobs. And not even, like, it's not... And I mean, even that's overstating. It's not like I was ever a fucking... I didn't have to clean chicken coops or mine coal or anything like that. But it was all just, you know, I worked at a seven black eleven. I wouldn't well I have black lung business. <laughs> I worked at a seven eleven for a long time in my twenties. That was like the the longest job I ever it's still the longest job I've ever had. Unless you count the comic shop, which I've only worked at part time for many years. 
I worked at a 7-Eleven in El Cajon, California for seven years. Holy mackerel. That was all, yeah, I was from the age of 19 to 26. Are that was like when I was kidding? in college. Why would I kid about something like that? <laughs> <laughs> because it was an easy job. And it, oh, okay. was, it was low pressure. I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. A monkey can do that job. Not not to, you know, it's, a, it's not a fun job to have. So I wouldn't right. like shit on anybody for having it. But it is a monkey's job, and right. uh, that's how I preferred it. Because then I would just I would go in at two, I would get off at ten, I would go party until two or three in the morning, and then yeah. wake up at noon and do it all over again. So I never really got gotten that out of my system in my high school years. Right. So like my early late teens, early twenties, it was all just it's party's job, party's yeah, job, rock and Makes roll sense. all night and party every day, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then. Um, yeah, and then when I went back to school full time, I could, you know, my boss was cool. I could do homework there. They worked around my schedule. I mean, it's not, it was only a terrible job because it's boring. Yeah. It's not at all a challenge. Like, once right. you've worked there, like, if you worked there for six weeks and you can't do everything with your eyes closed, then you probably shouldn't be working there. <laughs> but, um, refilling the And also, machine. I was just generally. What's more? What's more challenging, the Slurpee machine or the rolling taco roll? Or the taco I, what rolls? the most challenging is not falling asleep while you're asking that question. That's the <laughs> biggest challenge. I'm learning how to how to uh, how to perform interviews on the fly. Thanks for <laughs> no. It's not. It's not being really uh, critical about. I'm not being critical. <laughs> of your, I'm not being critical of your interview style. That's just how uninteresting working at a convenience store <laughs> even reminiscing about it <laughs> the good old days they were fun though I had it yeah I mean I was pissed off all the time but that's just because I was a young angry horny dude yeah punk as fuck and then yeah so once I quit there <laughs> I was an English tutor when I was in college that was fun but I mean it was still a lousy job. I got yeah. paid for shit. And uh, some of my coworkers were just assholes, so I didn't really like that. And there's other like retail jobs. I worked on a Blockbuster for a while. I worked at another 7-Eleven for a while. Um, you, um, you had mentioned that you that you had, uh, you know, your, your, your birthday, your comedy birthday, mm-hmm. and the day you stopped drinking. Mm-hmm. And I remember like when I asked, I was like, yeah, you can come over, we'll drink whiskeys. And you know, you're like, yeah, everything but the whiskey. <laughs> so, um... What was uh, I, I grew up with with a. Uh, I wasn't trying to be a tight ass. I just didn't want you to go to any trouble on my account. It's the only reason I even mentioned it. Oh no no no! Uh, but I, like I grew up with a, uh, you know, with an alcoholic biological father, and so when I went to college, the first thing I did was mm-hmm. take a drug and alcohol class so I could learn how to drink. You're gonna lose that Saint Ives sponsorship. Keep talking. Like <laughs> what? Uh, but how did you? Um, like like so so what was what was going on like I know that you know it's not any one missed, thing no I I never went into AA or anything like that I never did any kind of program I just kind of stopped and uh, I probably could have used the help with that but mm-hmm. uh, it just never really appealed to me um, I stopped I cut back significantly on drinking when I was probably about thirty two or so mm-hmm. and then so. It was, uh, I stopped drinking. I used to drink every night, basically. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got to a point where I was like, ugh, this is not, 
it wasn't fun anymore. Like, I was right. having a good time, although in retrospect, some of those times weren't that great. I was partying. And then it got to a point where I was no longer partying, but I was medicating. And then it gotcha. got to a point where I was like, oh, this isn't really working as medication. So I stopped using it as medication and only when I just went back to partying. Right. Right. But I just wasn't partying every night. So it was like I went I went from I went from having a good time to not having a good time to having a good time, but only like on weekends, pretty much. Because I wasn't getting anything done. I wasn't getting any writing done. It was getting in the way. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, that. like yeah. how was how did the writing how was the writing affected by it? It was affected really heavily by it because I would come home. And if I came home and started drinking, then that was the end. As soon as I started drinking, that was the end. That was the last thing I would do in the day. Yeah. So I, you know, so I stopped. And then plus I started working. I started working at this warehouse and I had to be up at 530 in the morning. And then when I had that office job, I had to be up at 430 in the morning. So it was like, I, I couldn't have, I was no longer this night owl character. Right. Um, so yeah, so for, there was a few years there where it was fine. Like I could handle my beer and not worry about, you know, and it wasn't really, they were right, right, right. And then in like late 2013, now I'm back to, now I'm doing stand up. I'm unemployed. So I'm back. I can stay up as late as I want. And so I was like, I can't really drink this much. I can't go back to drinking this off. Right. Especially. And I never really liked, even when I was in a band, I used to not get drunk until after we performed. Like I didn't like performing yeah. drunk. So I never did stand up drunk, but I would, you know, maybe have a couple afterwards. But then like I hit kind of a bad depression at the end of 2013. So I was like, I should probably just maybe just knock it off. Yeah. I remember when, when the, the first, uh, when I, the first marriage went to shit, I was like, okay, I'm not drinking anything. I remember that too. That was terrible. Oh yeah. (laughs) I remember you were there. We were all very fucking fine. I, uh. I didn't drink anything for six months. I was like, yeah. I'm not going to have anything. I need to feel all this. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, but with the second one, I was like, no, I don't mind drinking. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. As long as you pick and choose. I mean, yeah. I, there's, okay. So when I quit, which was about four years ago, I, it wasn't like for good. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm just going to see how long I can go. And I'm still kind of just doing that. Okay. So I don't anticipate ever starting again. Right. But it's not, you know, com- I'm not 100% committed to it in that way. Yeah. But the more time goes on and the more I look, kind of look back and I'm in therapy again now. So there's a lot of that kind of introspection. Um, yeah. So the more I look back on like my 20s, I'm like, oh, that was not healthy. Healthy at right. all. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I, I'm I'm more comfortable now not drinking. It does make things kind of weird sometimes, like when I have to tell somebody I don't want to drink. But I think, but see, the thing is that it, hopefully you have people, and it's uh, yeah. Hopefully you have people around you hopefully. that are that are in an area where they're not you know chastising you or or yeah. I mean, fuck. We were forty years old. You know what I mean? Like right. it, the it's peer pressure is. Hopefully, been a little bit more. Oh, it's certainly. Yeah. You know what's weird is when I was. I didn't start drinking until I was 18, which for my crowd was kind of late. 
Yeah. And so when I was 16, 17, and kids were like, hey, man, let's get fucked up. I'd be like, no, that's cool. And they'd be like, all right, cool. And like nobody, there was no peer pressure yeah. then. And then when I started drinking, I was like, oh, this is great. Let's just always do this. <laughs> and then so it was no problem. And then, yeah, it wasn't until I was in my 40s. And, yeah. I and now people are like, oh. And it's not, the thing of it is, it's not peer pressure. What I pick up on anyway is... Uh, People think I'm going to judge them because they are drinking. And I'm like, dude, I couldn't care less. Yeah, I've been drinking this whole time. What you do? Have you? I'm out of here. (laughs) No, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's not not a huge deal. It doesn't come up that often. But I think because I'm kind of already self-conscious about it, I really notice it when people are like, "Mm." and so I can get a little, I get defensive, but only in my head. It's not like I act on it. I I, I try it. The thing is that hopefully, you know, through 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 everything, you, you try and be, uh, you know, just genuinely supportive and cool with everybody. Right. You know what I mean? And and I I really hope that within the current climate that we're in, that we don't lose that. I, yeah. It, it kind of feels like, kind of feels like everything is on fire figuratively and literally, and literally now yes. that we're in Southern California. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's, it's just so, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I hope that this is just one of those pendulum swings that's going so yeah. far left that it hopefully corrects and, and but there's yeah. just so much, it, it just seems like the whole world's just fucking weird right now. You know what I mean? And I, and, and it's like, if I didn't, if I didn't owe so much money in taxes, I'd be like, maybe I could run for president because I'm stupid enough to where I'd be like, yeah, fuck it, why not? And I'll just mm-hmm. tell people, like, listen, I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, but I at least I'm honest. You got my vote. At least I'm honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't go. No, fuck that. No, I'm not. The one thing I do remember is that every president that has been elected on a zero year gets shot or killed. I'm good. Is that right? Yeah, I guess you're right. No, yeah. George H.W. Bush hasn't been shot or killed, to my recollection. He had a shoe thrown at him. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess he did kind of break. Well, they, they, they made Well, they said that Reagan kind of. <laughs> he They tried to kill Reagan, but he, he survived the gunshot wound. Right. And then I think JFK was fine. I don't think anything happened. <laughs> so FDR is fine. FDR had no health troubles that I'm aware of. <laughs> Woodrow Wilson was he president in nineteen twenty? See how far back I can go. No, that McKinley. Was, yeah, you don't want to. Dude, that was a that was a great Kennedy joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I think that was a that was a. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I I uh, to get back to what like what what were you saying? <laughs> you were saying that the way things are just in the being world cool today, with people. Like like the to thing be is cool with people. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing well, is that I I. It, it, uh, hopefully, you have the the. Well, obviously, I mean, you're, you're four years old. You're, you are your own man now, but but it's like. Or what passes for one? Anyway. I think that we're. I think that we're getting to a point where it's like, who fucking cares? Like uh, yeah. on, on a lot of this stuff. Growing Absolutely. up, like I never, I was able to kind of sidestep a lot of the drug stuff. I've never, I've never been high. Oh wow! Like yeah, <laughs> and so um, I was not. I'm not an experienced user myself I but have. like now that I and, and the thing is like, like I, I 
I look at some of the studies that have been done with like microdosing of of uh, uh, psychedelic mushrooms and mm-hmm. and with weed becoming legal. Like I think, well, like maybe that might be kind of kind of fun to check out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I would recommend trying it at least because I I was never. I like beer. That was yeah. my thing. I never even really drank hard oh, liquor that much. I love breweries, bro. I just drank beer. And I didn't even like breweries. I just like shitty Budweiser. Really? That was all I drank. I drank like... When you're ready to get off the wagon, I got a few places we can go uh-huh. to. Nah, I'm not interested. So. <laughs> and that's fine. Because <laughs> I didn't, drink, I didn't <laughs> drink beer because it tasted good. I drank beer because it made me forget how much I hated everything. Like, I wasn't in it for the flavor. I thought we were trying to peer pressure you in. Mm. Yeah, but I know a really great place. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Does it taste like uh, unrequited love? Because I don't really care otherwise. Um, but, yeah, dude. I mean, I... And so, yeah, I, I didn't... I think that I didn't... I was 21 when I smoked marijuana the first time. Didn't care for it. And I yeah. smoked it a handful of times after that just to give it a go. Maybe it was bad the first time. Yeah, and I had very few like good experiences in marijuana. I've done uh, coke a few times, same deal. I'm like, no, nah, I yeah. can see the appeal, but also no thanks. Um, see, like I don't like being in places like like here's here's why here's why I don't want to try weed hmm. because if I go if I just go and I'm having like drinks at a at a at a, a, a bar hmm. and the and the tension of the room just doesn't feel right. I can't turn the bouncer off. Like yeah. when I go to a place that's packed, like I, I automatically think bouncer. Okay, where's the door? Who's acting up? Mm-hmm. What's happening over here? Like mm-hmm. is everybody cool? You know what I mean? So I'm always scanning the room. Sure. Well, that's sober. And then you put a beer in my hand. That's me lightly buzzed. Mm-hmm. I think if I add paranoia to that, like yeah, it's probably not going to be good. Probably not. But you know, you don't have to smoke marijuana in a public sphere. <laughs> Are you aware of that? You can just do it in the privacy of your own home, and you'll still be paranoid, but you won't have to worry about it. You know. Yeah, you're, you're making a lot. Of, you're making a lot of good. A lot of good well, points. I don't know if it's the if it's the, the I went dark to San Diego State University. I don't know if it's the dark rim glasses that's making your point, uh-huh. but I like it. <laughs> I went to a mid-ranked state college. They only take the first twenty-five thousand people. Life, so I think I'm <laughs> You're making a very good point, sir. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, fuck it. Who cares? I would. I have yet. I have yet to try psychedelics, but I think I would. I would be. Something I would like to try. Um, Let's not hang out with Juan. Huh. My buddy Juan Cias, like we're sitting oh, okay. there, we're talking to him. He's like, he's like, Does he yeah. have some. It, well, he's <laughs> here's the thing. He told me one time. He's like, he's like, yeah, man, I've tried a lot of drugs. He's like, you know, you can't go wrong with acid. And I said, those words have never been said. <laughs> You know, I've heard people say Timothy Leary had based a whole career around it. But, he's uh, like, I'm really telling you. I have some friends who were like, go. they would... Acid's the way. And I was like... I have some friends that would walk, they said they would walk, they would babysit me if oh, I yeah. wanted to do it at their house so they would watch that I don't, you know, freak out or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I would be... And I'm becoming more hippy-dippy as I grow older, too, so I'm feeling like, oh, maybe that'll... 
As I hear nothing but good things. And I mean, obviously, <laughs> if you have a bad trip, that's not a good thing. But, you know. You just you just made acid trip sound like a cruise to Alaska. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My parents did it last year. <laughs> they had a really good time. They brought back some nice souvenirs. You don't mind 1,500-pound animals walking through your living room, you know? Yeah, who cares? Perfectly fine. I mean, well, uh, also, along the lines of what we're saying, though, the world's already on fire. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like, are you worried that you're going to... Your shoe's going to come untied? Kim Jong-un's going to throw a nuclear yeah. weapon at us, right? So throw I mean, some mushrooms down your gullet before you have I was a telling, to do so. I was telling one of the ladies at work, I'm like, he's not going to try and hit Washington, D.C. No. It's going to either be fucking Hawaii or us. It's probably going to be Los Angeles. That's and, what I'm thinking. I mean... That's the play. Frankly, right? I will be insulted if it's not. <laughs> you, if right? He, if he has the nerve to nuke Seattle, I'll be like, who... Fuck Seattle? How dare you? You know we what I mean? Been culturally relevant since Nirvana. We, you could knock out the population of Canada by just hitting us. Yeah. Exactly. You know I, mean? I don't think he's got the stones. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you want. I'm sure he listens to this. I don't think you want to hear that. You'd get very hurt. <laughs> you ready for a sandwich? I could have a sandwich. All right, How long buddy. Have you been yammering on. Um, just coming up to about an hour and a half. Yeah, I'm sure people are still listening. Well, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a you have a show coming up tonight? I, do. I know that, so no one's going to be able to hear that and be there for no, that. No, but thanks for coming out anyway, you guys. What uh, do you? Uh, where do you normally go? Who do you normally see? Do you have any upcoming shows? Um, well, let me, uh, let me pull up my book. Here. When is this going to drop? Is that what they say uh, they say drop? Yeah, the kids still say that. I'm probably going to uh, put it on tomorrow. Really? Yeah, why not? All right, cool. Let me pull up my. And then send me the information dates. for the uh, for the book so uh, they can find that on Amazon, right? Yeah, now. that's pretty much. If you just search my name or Lupo Danish never has nightmares, that's on. Uh, but does he never have nightmares? No, never oh, ever. Spoiler alert! That's that's actually it's an ironic title. Um, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see what I got here. Um, tomorrow, December 9th, or today, if you're listening to this today, I will be at the Hideaway Cafe in Scenic Riverside, California. Ooh. And then I am doing my friend Shannon's show, uh, Syndicate, in Venice Beach on Monday, the 11th. On December 16th, I'm doing Comedy Sucks at the Nerd Melt. On December 21st, I'm going to go see Scrooge at the New Beverly, if anybody wants to join me. On December 23rd, I'm doing the Brass Rail in San Diego, California, San Diego's oldest gay bar. Um, December 29th, I'm doing the back room at the Comedy Palace. Should I keep going? Is, is that also a gay bar? The Comedy Palace is no, the back, the back. unofficially a gay bar, yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then some other shit in January. What's your uh, Twitter handle? At Jimmy the Worm, which is also my Instagram. Very good. Speaking of nicknames, that's uh, that was the nickname my friends gave me. That was my Mongo that I hated at first, but now I refer to myself as the Worm. As Jimmy the Worm, <laughs> not a lot, but yeah, it's still technically only during the sex scenes. Only during the sex scenes, and let me tell you, I don't have to write those sex scenes because I live them. <laughs> All right, Jimmy. Thanks so much for doing this. Hey, Michael, I want to thank you for having me on your uh, program here. This has been a lot of fun. What kind of sandwich are we going to have? Uh, I was thinking either, uh, well, I got turkey, I have ham, 
I got cheese and I got croissants. We'll okay. figure out what we're going to do. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Love everybody. everybody. Bye. All right, say bye, everybody. Bye. bye.